Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Welcome to another exciting installment of In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside my former U.S. Men's National Team teammates, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies and Hollywood Heath Pearson. After a great interview with Mexican international Hector Moreno yesterday, we are focusing back on our squad, specifically the midfield and who we want to see in these upcoming games as we continue to fine-tune who we want to bring to Qatar. Also... Earlier this week, I had a chance to speak with Inter Miami's manager and ex-England international Phil Neville about England's chances against the U.S. And apparently Jamie Carragher and Michael Richards also chimed in on what they thought the score would be as well. And we have proof. And we're going to roll those clips in a little bit. But first, I want to say hello to these handsome gentlemen with me. Keith, how are you doing, man? Good eye, mate. Good eye. How's life? You okay? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing good. I thought, I thought Honestly, you'd extrapolate there, but you, you stopped I, yeah. Early. I I I mean, your your intro. I, I I we might have to go back and redo it just because I laughed about two seconds no, in while no, you were no, saying no. something. But I thought it was great. It was great. I thought you set the tone really early on. That's what I do. Uh, but I'm good. You know, I'm 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 really good. I'm excited about this conversation. Um, I've heard uh I've heard some rumors between the three of us that that we there may be some differences in in our in our midfield. So I'm excited to. Uh, discuss it and uh explain why i'm the smartest one out of the three of us oh here we go charlie great to see you as always uh always. you know midfield stuff i know that you're more of an attacking guy i'm sure you're looking forward to getting into our front three at mm-hmm. some point but we gotta you know games are won or lost in midfield i have it written on the sign behind me if you can see us here on the youtubes if you can't well whoa, you gotta whoa, come whoa. over to youtube I thought, and hit subscribe. I, thought, I thought you you defender union you're always like hey no, no, defenders win championships. championships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, games, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, games are won or lost in the midfield. Thank you, Heath. <laughs> games are won or lost in the midfield. Defense wins championships. Defense you know? wins okay. championships. That's exactly right. So how are you feeling what? about this midfield conversation, Charlie? I love it. I mean, we, we've we gotten a, a good chance um, to see that the players who potentially are going to be running the midfield for the U.S. And, and it's the strongest part of the team. If you're looking at this group, the most the most depth and the most talent is in the midfield. That that's without a doubt. So, in, in trying to build this this lineup, it's also difficult because you think if it is your strongest part of of, of the team, maybe you, you want to get more than three of, of them out. And I, yeah, and I think yeah. that's ultimately what may have to to happen. I, I know they've been in a four through three since the beginning with Greg Berhalter, but ultimately you you have to play your strengths. And so if you're, you're trying to figure out how many players can you can you fit on the pitch, the majority has to be from the midfield. 
so so one of my concerns as I was building this, and I and I did the assignment. Is wrong. Charlie on by Jimmy? Is Charlie on the run? I don't who know. Are, he's why are you always somewhere different, Charlie? Who are you hiding from? What is it? I, well, I don't know. <laughs> what is it? He used Charlie, to run like he used to run like this on the pitch too, just always yeah. running everywhere. You know, have to, have to. And he looks really nice, by the way. Like he he's, does. He's running for mayor of, of Boston yeah. at some point. But what I want to say is that when I was putting this assignment together, I thought it was just the collection of players we wanted to bring to these June friendlies and, of course, the Nations League game. So I, I actually sent over a, a list of eights because I thought, you, all right, if we're going to have a 26-man roster. But, well, here's, here's my issue, Heath. When I started to think about this, and I hadn't thought about it before, the injuries to Weston McKinney and Gio Reyna, I think, are, are quite significant because we only have six games together as a group before we go to Qatar and play. And right. either... We're missing those guys to continue to establish more rapport and more chemistry if we want to go with Musa McKinney-Adams, which is, I think, the, the, the three that we want in central midfield heading into the World Cup. But we miss out on the opportunity of potentially putting Gio Reyna there and dropping Yunus Musa entirely or putting him out on the wing because Yunus Musa can do that, does it for Valencia at times. And we can't even tinker and try. Maybe a half against Granada or we don't even have that opportunity because these guys are hurt. And I don't think I took those injuries into consideration at the time because I thought, oh, whatever, they got six months to heal as long as they're ready for the World Cup, which is still true and the most important thing. But I feel like we're missing on potentially tinkering to Charlie's point and maybe giving a different look to our midfield based on an opponent. Maybe we need to go chase the game and get after it with Iran. Do we need do we need Musa out there too? Or can we bring on another attack minder? Can we bring in uh, Gio Reyna or Brendan Aronson? These are the questions I'm thinking about that I don't think I had been put up against the wall and said, give me your midfield until I got this assignment. And then, of course, I didn't pick my three starters. But I, th I think uh, on my list, I put the top but, three that I thought would be in there. But go ahead, Heath. But so haven't we sort of been working through that through all of qualifying? Like, I, I feel like we're pretty close to our best 11 outside of uh, Charlie's failure to, Are we, uh, though? to, to develop a striker. Um, but like in terms of our midfield, well, who's our goalkeeper? You don't know. Okay, I don't, back? I, I don't know. But the midfield is probably the closest uh, and, and our back line, right? There, there's some... In terms of whatever, like it, we know that McKinney's gonna, we know that McKinney's a starter on the national team. But if he's not available, now you have an opportunity to see. My, my I guess the question I'm getting to is, well, is this an opportunity to see who? The, for June. Well, he could be possibly available. Yeah, but I think he will be. Okay, that, so that would be nice if he is. It'd be amazing. Um, but is this an opportunity to, you know, Hector Moreno had a great point where he was like, it's it's really late to start bringing somebody in who hasn't been in when he talked about how he'd been on the national team for a year and a half, but only getting a game, you know, once per year for three years before he went to the world cup. And I guess the question I'm saying is with your midfield or any players, is it an opportunity to get a last look at, can this guy do it for me? Or is it an opportunity to say, can this guy be um, an alternative option in a, in my starting 11? Like my, my first 13, 14 players, or is this a, on the bus, off the bus, you know, type of, or on the plane, off the plane type of scenario where it's like kind of going through final cuts. Because when I was competing in 2010, I was trying to get a last look to prove myself. Yeah, of course. You need right? those minutes, man. Um, and I needed those. I needed I need any any game that I got. I remember in 2010, I was set to get subbed off against somebody in Tampa, and I whipped a ball in. Brian Ching put it away, and they let me stay on the field for the rest of the game. I believe that got me to the next thing, which was Holland, uh, the, the, the Holland game, and then into the final camp. Maybe that was always part of the plan, but at least for me, it was like any minute that I could stay on longer, that mm -hmm. 30 minutes extra that I got was a chance to like show something. Um, and there was a rotation of players at that point. Obviously, it's a different World Cup. There's there's less lead up and all that thing. So I guess I'm just curious as to like 
looking at these games, you want your best 11, but if not, what do you, if you don't have your best 11, what are you looking to get out of the next players? Okay. Okay. Let me give you my, my list of eight. And then Charlie, I'm going to throw it to you Jeez, as to, well, no, 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 but just, just pick. I mean, you got Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, mm-hmm. Luca De La Torre, uh, Kellen Acosta. I think those four will get called in for sure. And then I think it gets a little, it gets a little gray as to, okay, maybe Georgie Mihailovich, but to Hector Moreno's point, is it worth and to your point as well, is it worth bringing them in? At the, I mean, are they gonna are they gonna scrape in at this point? Now, if we expand the rosters and or the World Cup or FIFA expands the rosters at twenty six, and I think they should, maybe one of these guys you want to bring them in just to see if they can be that super sub or somebody that can really help the team. Uh, Georgi Mihailovic, I said. Uh, my my interesting one is uh, Gianluca Busio because I feel like he didn't do much in qualifying to turn heads. He's had mm-hmm. his looks. He's been in enough camps. I don't know if he's done enough, but do you give him that other opportunity or do you go look somewhere else? You got James Sands, who just got in for Rangers in the Europa League first leg in the semifinals, uh, seven or eight minutes, but enough to be trusted by Gio Van Bronckhorst to, in big moments to be out on the field. So do you, you bring in James Sands? I mean, he was pretty serviceable for us in the Gold Cup, but he hasn't really been involved in qualifying. You got Tanner Tessman, who we haven't looked at at all, but is getting some valuable minutes for Venezia, even though they're going to be going down and getting relegated in Serie A. I, 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 when I look at that eight, Charlie, I mean, what do you do? You want to see a big midfield group? Do you want to see players get an outside chance to get some minutes, or do you want to continue to strengthen the core and and find that right combination of the players we we already know we have? Well, I, I think we know who who's going to play, and Weston McKinney is going to play ninety minutes. Tyler Adams is going to play ninety minutes, barring an injury or or suspension. That's right. a given for sure. I think it's important that we think about. How do you complement these players? And you got to think of training sessions. So when you do have training and the guys are that are important locker room guys, because a majority of these midfielders as, talent, as talented as they are, they're not going to play. Mm-hmm. So you got to think of, well, what are they going to do for the, for the team? How, who are the guys that everyone likes to be around? Who are the guys that keep everyone fresh and, li- and lively? So, and, and the ones who aren't going to complain and detract from the team if they're not getting burned. And right. a lot of the players are going to be playing with their club and they're not going to play the national team in the World Cup. But are they still going to be in it? Are they still going to be involved and be good supporters? So I think Tyler Adams in June, I think Weston McKinney will start if he's back. And I think he will be. But since he's injured right now, we'll leave him out just just for for um, the, the – Yeah, uh, leave it out for now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, and I, I'm going to go with Brennan Aronson. Whoa, as, whoa, whoa. As, a, as an attacking midfielder. Curveball. Play, wow. He's, play, he's played at the 10. I mean, all with the union and had the most success, which got him the move to Salzburg in the first place. He's been super successful at Red Bull Salzburg. When so healthy. I think that th- this is a, a great time to try and incorporate him because if you're looking at the, the front three and if Christian is going to be on the left. and Do you, do you to, wait really quick though? Do you feel like Aronson and, Christian will get in each other's way if they start together, especially if you put Brendan. No, not only that, but like we've had these games where Timo Way is on the like. Why wouldn't you want? Why wouldn't you have tried in in a game against um, Costa Rica away or? Yeah, and and you're thinking Gio Reyna too, right? So Aronson plays different than Gio Reyna. That that's for sure. And Team Timo Way, he moves around. I think if you brought Brendan Aronson underneath the striker, because you need Yunus Musa. Is not so much a connector in terms of playing underneath a, a, a nine. Right, right. I think Brent Aronson is a little bit more aggressive with his runs and also the balls in in behind for the nine or playing off the nine. So I think 
you have Aaron's in there, and that would force Christian to play a little bit higher up on the left side and be a little bit more isolated instead of coming inside all the time. That would work well. Plus, I think Bern Aronson and Christian Pulisic, because they're constantly moving, they could overlap each other. They could switch sides. They could, you know, that interchange, which also can frustrate uh, defenses. And you talk about the movement for, for a team like England, for a team like Iran, whether it's Wales, Scotland, Ukraine, that might be just what the U.S. needs, a little bit more creativity in the final third and the movement interchanging, which will free up some space for the nine, whoever that may be. So right. I, I, I think I like Bern Aronson. It gives the, the midfield a different dynamic, something because Musa, McKinney, Adams, Adams may be a little bit different than McKinney and Musa, but they, they kind of move the same. They cover a lot of ground. They, they're deep, they play a little bit deeper in the midfield. This gives the, the I, U.S. I, a little bit higher start, but j- starting position. Jimmy, do you do you, I mean? I, well, I didn't I actually, I didn't, I actually I didn't really, have Aaronson in my list because I have him kind of listed as a winger. But yeah, but, but, but do let, let me ask him coming inside. I, I don't mind it. No, and my whole thing is, and I appreciate this, Charlie, because I feel we've gotten comfortable with uh, a midfield that is. Weston McKinney has an X factor getting into the box. He can score goals on set pieces, late runs, things like that. But it's a pretty traditional midfield three in terms of it's it's a little bit more neutral than anything, right? I, you know what? I'll say down. though, they're not though, that connected. I mean, they're not connectors. It, it, they're not. They're, we actually don't have like an exquisite. Our, we cannot get our ball. striker in. We I, if there's one thing I could say uh, from our striker issues is that I've haven't been able to see one of our strikers in the last twelve months have connected have connected play with our midfield to be able to go. Oh, okay, yeah, they they they're not good. More right. often than not, it's a We're single chance wide. or yeah. it's something like that. We go wide. They don't finish their chance. We go, oh, they got their chance. They didn't finish it. Oh, uh, they finished it. Okay, g- give them another run. We haven't, I haven't seen our top three because it's been a little bit more neutral and there's interchangeable play and I think it's good and I think Musa's great in there uh, and I think McKinney's great in there. But I agree with Charlie in the sense that we haven't found a way to connect them to the attack in, in a way that has a little bit more of a – uh, a 10 or, or, or an eight and a half. That's more attached to, to, yeah. yeah. Um, attached to the attack. They're, they're more serviceable in a lot of ways. And I love Musa on the ball and I love where McKinney plays, but I haven't seen, I guess it's been hard for me to judge a striker because I, they're rarely involved in any of our play other than like at the end of crosses where we do have the tools like a Gio Reyna when he's healthy or Brendan Aronson to actually connect those lines a little bit and at least have them floating a little bit more, take a little more onus on the attacking side versus defensive. I'm trying to remember the play in Mexico City where who played the entry pass into Ricardo Pepe and Pepe wants the one that like released Tim Timo Wea in behind, yeah. Wea crosses it. on the right side. Yeah, and Pulisic has that one-on-one and, and doesn't do enough with it. And Memo Ochoa makes a good save. But but I'm trying to remember that entry pass because I don't feel like we see that a lot. And I think that's where Ricardo Pepe is one of his biggest strengths. When he drops into that space, forces a center back to follow him, and that creates that passing lane that he did uh, did e- extremely well to, to you know unlock the defense and get Timo Weah in behind. But I don't feel like we see that consistently. And so as much as I love McKinney, Musa, and Adams for all the X factors that they bring, I don't feel like we have someone that can put their foot on the ball and really dictate the flow. Luca De La Torre might be the best that we have. I don't think Busio's up to the job, or not yet at least, or he doesn't do it consistently. I think we see it at times. But De La Torre might be the only one that really looking to get it, play it, move, get it, play it, move, just poke and Gio prod. Reyna would be my favorite, though, to be honest. Like, yeah, I think Luca's too too much side to side. Okay. I don't think, he, I don't think he's enough for it. But he's... He, He's still a, he could be an important piece based on how you play. That's why cannot, I want him on my that's why I want him on the field in, in June because I want to see like 
a different opponent, different style. Luka De La Torre reminds me a lot of Mark McKenzie, who was like oddly picked by Greg Berhalter for very specific types of moments mm-hmm. in games. And you just go, I don't like if I was Mark McKenzie, I'd be like, dude, I'm I get all the crap away games that are scrappy and ugly. I don't get any of the like the fun stuff. Luka De La Torre to me, I haven't seen the sample size enough to know like. Can he be versatile enough? Can he connect those lines? Like you said, Charlie, very side to side, very possession, very rhythmic. That's great. But again, we're still missing that. Okay, we can go side to side, no problem. Fullbacks like high Paco and wide. Torres a little bit where he I, did the I love, same. I, love, but I, love, Paco, I love playing with Paco Torres because, because we, it gave us a little bit of something different. Sorry, Charlie, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go yeah, ahead. No, Paco Torres is a good one, but I want my midfielders making runs. I want my midfielders getting into the channels, getting in between the gaps and not so much if you look at Musa, McKinney, and Adams, they start so deep, and when they do get on the ball, there's a, a huge amount of space between them and the midfielder. They have to dribble, and they, they're looking at one, two, three midfielders or, or um, outside backs who come inside. It, it's it's not the, the most um, appealing way for an attacking midfielder to connect with your, your striker, as opposed to getting it on the run in behind the midfield or in between so that you're looking at the, the you're running at the backs and then your center forward is saying okay i can you know move into this space on the half turn and then all he has to do is slip me in we're not seeing that that's that's not happening we're never seeing a midfielder released and he's by, bypassed the midfield and now he's just looking at the back line and the, the center forward unless can, we play with unless we play with inverted wingers because i think aronson did that to a great effect against jamaica in austin if i remember correctly we started inside out no, that's true i mean they're more inside but, yeah yeah no, but the, the thing the, the, the also the thing is is like we're talking about playing against two different types of teams right run a play i go back to honduras up back through we, we get back into the game that way with ricardo pepe i talk about the, the the i gave the goal when we did our awards of it was like seven eight passes into the striker back lays it off, goes wide, cuts the ball, and Brendan Aronson scores. That in the run of play is great uh, when we can find that entry pass into the striker. I don't think we do that. And then we don't part do two to that is when teams sit back against us even worse. And that's why I think about, I don't know, is Brendan Aronson the right one? Because he can he can advance vertically. But a team sitting back, how do we get Gio Reyna in and around the ball? Because, again, we create a lot of our chances in that combination play where it's moving one and two touch and it's sharp passing. But I just don't think... I don't think we have – I don't think that's Weston McKinney because I, I, I think Weston McKinney can get the ball, get it back, and then hit a nice switch. I think that's Eunice Musa can drive the ball forward. Tyler Adams can hit a nice long switch or connect side to side. But there's nobody that I'm, I've seen that has the comfort of driving in, getting it back from – like controlling the flow of the game in higher yeah, and more, yeah. more dangerous positions on the field or more, more high-risk, actually, positions on the field in terms of – knowing when and where to attack and take that risk that could lead to a turnover or a counterattack. But Gio Reyna would be that guy. Yeah. He, he, yes, of course. He's got the 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 skill set to make that happen. Now, if everybody wants to join this conversation, if you're watching on YouTube, hit us up in the comments after you hit like and subscribe. We'd really appreciate that. If you're listening in podcast form and you're here listening to this late, then or at another time or at your leisure, hit us up at ISWTPod on Twitter with your starting three for these June games. Who do you want to see? McKinney might be back, but let's leave him out of the equation for right now. Do you want an Aronson in there? Do you want to see a little bit more of an active number 10 that's in and, in and around, maybe a little higher up the field? Or do you like what we have in place now with uh, kind of McKinney and Musa sitting back? Well, I think De La Torre is an interesting option as well, and he's done well with his with his minutes. But but is that what we need to see to help us continue to drive the game against some of these who did, opponents? Who did who did Aronson play? What game did Aronson play at the ten? He played in one and didn't really didn't do well. 
I thought oh, it was El Salvador match match one. El Salvador in El Salvador. It could have been, but it, it was like I was they super sat like excited 10 guys. about that. Yeah, same. But they had like um, ten guys on yeah. top of the box. Was it that? So was was it that game? Because I, I just remember it being like I'm so excited because because Charlie mentioned it. This is where he was, he was best. Like get the ball, turn and go, and connect the game a little bit, and just be a threat on one on one and combination play. Was it that game? Um, cause I, I loved well, him in that, but in that game, I just remember being like, Oh, maybe not at the national team level. Well, remember the game against Canada at home where he was the one that mm-hmm. did the, the counter pressing off the throw in won the ball. And it, I don't know if that's where his starting position was overall in the game, but at that moment he was central and he found himself in central moments. He played forward at, to your point, we little in back and through, we got some combinations because we allowed something to develop. And I don't know if we do this enough as well. We, because we created a little bit of that combination in the middle of the field, it allowed Anthony Robinson to bomb forward with real purpose. And then we had played a great ball into him. He hit it first time across. And in the central position, there was Brendan Aronson who slotted it in. We didn't see that very often. And that was against one of the best defenses, most, most organized teams in all of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. I'd love to see us do more of that. But it isn't easy, obviously. It's easy to say hard to do at times. But are we even looking for it? I think it's a big conversation. So, again, if you want to join us, hit us up on Twitter, ISWT Pod, or hit us up in the comments here on the YouTubes. All right, Heath, we haven't seen who your starters would be in June. I saw Charlie's was Musa Adams and Aronson. Mine was Musa Adams and De La Torre. Where are you going for these, these June friendlies? What, what combination of players, assuming McKinney and Reyna, aren't going to be available? Yeah, mine was based on on, and I went with Luca De La Torre as well. That just that I'm, I've liked him, but I'm not sold on him. Right? I'm not sold. You want to on, see more of him? You want to see? I more just want to see more of him. And I and I think like if I don't have Weston McKinney, which I want to continue to get those guys more games together, um, I I do want Musa because I was I was kind of torn between. Well, we could find ourselves just based on the the health of this team, we could find ourselves with Acosta and Adams on the field together, um, in 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 a World Cup. So. Can we find a better way for them to to find rhythm together, um, or or be a little more complementary to each other? That was my initial thing, and then I was like, well, I kind of I'm kind of like I've got my mind made up on what that's going to be, and it could be functional, but it's not going to be what I like. So can Luca De La Torre be something a little bit different? Can he provide something for this team? And that's why I I wanted to see him more than more than anything in that midfield role of of being challenged. Like like Charlie said, he's he's very side to side, and and I think that's great in in good moments, right? If you're playing against possession-based teams where you need to be able to keep the ball great. But part of being able to keep the ball isn't a square pass. It's being able to advance to the next lines, to break lines of pressure. Can he be that next guy? And I saw him at times in qualifying in, the, in his few games be able to get further into the attack and, and work the ball, again, side to side, but in higher positions. And I, and I kind of like that. And so for me, it's just Luca De La Torre getting another chance to, to show kind of where he fits in against a, a more a, a different type of opponent because I do feel Greg's used him very specifically and I want to see him a little bit more um, with less parameters that he's that he's played under to see if like can he be can he be something different that we haven't seen before can he right to the jump similar to similarly to what I wanted to see out of Busio early on where I just didn't really see his ability to take some of that raw uh, kind of undeveloped uh, talent or potential that he has and turn it into something at the national team. I'd like to see that same thing for, for, for Dave LaTorre because he's been good, but I'm just curious, can he be great for this team? Like, can he be somebody that challenges for a starting spot or brings us something different where you go, okay, now this is where we use him. Now, now, and I love that insight because we're, we're on the same page and I do want to see more Dave LaTorre 
maybe a little higher up the field. I think sometimes he does have a tendency. If he drops deep, then that forces our front three to have to drop a little deeper to maybe get the ball off of him. But if he can stay a little bit higher and stay higher off that shoulder and maybe almost as our de facto 10 and maybe be a little bit more central, I'm curious as to what the flow would look like. But, Charlie, this is what we want. This is what you want. That's what Heath wants. This is Mm -hmm. what I want. What do you think Greg Berhalter wants out of this collection of midfielders? I think obviously that's the the elephant in the room. I mean, what, what do you think Greg wants to see when we play Morocco on June 1st and Uruguay on June 5th? Versatility. I think he wants players who are going to be ball winning, who kind of boss the midfield, who can cover ground, who can connect passes. Tyler Adams, Wes McKinney, Yunus Musa all can keep possession, can all get forward. Um, Yunus Musa and Wes McKinney are box to box. Uh, Tyler Adams can, but we need him to be a little bit more disciplined and protect the back four, which he's done, I think, extraordinarily well. And he's only going to get better. I love the fact that he's now back in the lineup at, at Salzburg. Uh, I mean, at, at RB Leipzig. Um, I think they've done everything from the transition standpoint and, and being, you know, being able to cut out passes and win 50-50 challenges. I still think there there needs to be in a, a vast improvement in being a bridge from the midfield to the nine that that needs to improve. I think they also need to improve to make those late runs into the box. Wes McKinney's that's been one of his strong points, but I think it's gotta be other guys too. So whether it's Yunus Musa or Gio Reyna or Brent Aronson, the fact that Gio Reyna and Brent Aronson could come into that role, I think that just gives you as something different. And Gio Reyna is a player that's going to be a little bit more on the ball and creative ideas and trying flicks and, and using the outside of his, his, his foot and, and no look passes and combining, and, you know, he, he can take players one V one in short distance. So you love the fact that he can do that and give you something different. Brent Aronson's more playing off the shoulder, making runs and, and the movement aspect, of, which is really tricky to, to, to track if you're a defender. So, I think at this point, Greg Berhalter just wants um, control of the game. And I think he feels comfortable with those three, Musa, McKinney, and Adams. But I think now we're evolving and saying, hey, without a nine who's super dominant, like we, Hector Moreno was talking about Joe's Delta door, we don't have a Josie or a Clint Dempsey or a Landon Donovan right now. So maybe it's you need a little bit more dynamism from your midfield. No, it's interesting. I, I'm thinking about the game in Canada where we had McKinney, Musa, and Adams. We had Pulisic, Zardes, and Brendan Aronson starting in this one. We didn't have Team Away. I know Walker Zimmerman available for these. I don't know how much that, of a difference if like Canada was up for that one and ready to go. But I don't know. That game was a game we didn't. I remember, I remember Greg coming out of that saying we had control and he was pleased with the control that we had, but it didn't lead to anything, Keith Pierce. We weren't necessarily that dangerous. We got, I think, I think, um, McKinney had a header at the end of the first half that uh, Mr. Sweats made a good save on at the end, <laughs> uh, Borhan. And and that was basically it. Maybe Brendan Aronson had a good chance later in the second half, if I'm thinking about that game correctly. But we started to play with a little bit more urgency. But possession for possession's sake gets you somewhere, but doesn't always turn into anything meaningful. So So I guess there's that balance that we have to find, and that's why we're trying to identify these three players that can help us really connect. As Charlie says, I mean, the transition game is where we, we can hurt people. But if we're not transi- transitioning quick enough, we're not transitioning in a way that's going to suck somebody into the middle so we can create the space out wide is a bit of an issue. And, and I feel like there are enough examples out there where you can stifle our attack 
And I'm sure our opponents in the World Cup will be looking at those games very closely. Yeah, when I uh, the only thing that has held me back from being more critical of our national team is just the the, the age, the youth, right, the inexperience right. that they have. But we're talking about Weston McKinney starts for the biggest team in Italy. We're talking about Tyler Adams, Europa League semifinals uh, or quarterfinals. You've got uh, you've got uh, played in the Champions League. You know, tied for or I guess the second most. You know, in terms of the furthest that he's gone and scored in Champions League semifinal, or was it a quarterfinal? Um, yeah, quarterfinal. Like these guys are playing at big clubs, and I think the demand from from Greg needs to now be higher to say, I want to see you guys dominate games for longer periods. Like I don't think it's good. Like I think it's good enough to qualify what we did, and that's great because we all know how hard Concacaf is. But there still has to be this longer, bigger picture of being like. We've got a lot of big players playing at big clubs right now. We need to dominate a little bit more and having the confidence. And that's what I've always liked actually about Timo Weah when he's kind of emerged in the last few months of just having the confidence to put his foot on the ball and just go at people. And Serginho Dest, the thing that I've always liked about him is just when at the right time and when his confidence is good, just go at people. And when we do that, when we beat people one-on-one, we have this combination play where we know when we need to be one touch and two touch. We are so hard to play against and actually leads to a lot of goals for this national team when we've played with that sort of rhythm. But at times, it's just these long lulls of period where we kind of are we are okay with just giving the excuse of like fighting and discipline and being good at pressing. But then nothing comes of it, as you said, Jimmy. And I think going back to the Greg Berhalter question from our midfielders, there needs to be a little bit more. And it goes back to Charlie saying Brendan Aronson there a little bit more uh, uh, confidence or trust or responsibility or accountability put onto our midfielders to create more for our attack as opposed to just being really good at putting out fires or really good at pressing in good spots or really good. Okay, great. We're very good at that. How do we add more elements to our game now that make us more dangerous when we do win the ball? Or what do we do when we win the ball in good spots or press high up the field? Uh, I think is a really important sort of next step. Again, it's not a club team. So you don't have you can't go out to the training pitch every day for two hours and work on the next elements or or sort of the evolution of where do we go from here? Okay, established baseline here. How do we go? So it's going to be a, a challenge, but I do think we need to start demanding more from these players, not because it's the national team, but because they have the quality to do more. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be honest. Before we started this podcast, I'm like, do do we have enough here to talk a full podcast about yeah. our midfield? <laughs> And now that we've uh, talked about it and getting to some great discussions with both of you and some great questions from our community, I feel like I could go another couple hours on this. But we're going to stop it right here. We're going to take our first and only break of the show. And when we come back, we got some comments some, from some former English internationals that I don't think are going to make you too happy. They're taking some digs at the U.S. team and their chances in the World Cup. So don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the shed? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. 
The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Now let's talk about the English because I had the opportunity to discuss with Lucho Garcia and Ian Joy and Poppy Miller Inter Miami's manager, Phil Neville, and former England international about the U.S.'s chances against England. Uh, here's my question, and uh, here's your answer, and I look forward to seeing what you two think about this. Check it out. Second, put on the international one. I just want to know yeah. what excuses you're going to have once the U.S. beats England in the World <laughs> Cup in, just in November, December. <laughs> well, do you know what? You, you know, I, I'm... I honestly, two things. I, I really think that England can win the World Cup. I think with the World Cup being in November, December, I think it gives us a massive, massive advantage that we've never had that off, off the back of a hard Premier League season playing 50, 60 games. We're going to at least have a team that's going into a World Cup that's fresh after, after only playing three, three months of the season. So that's an excuse that we can't use at the next World Cup. Gareth Southgate has done an incredible job. I honestly think he's one of the best England managers of all time behind Sir Ralph Ramsey. And I think we've got a group of players that can really, really believe, or they do really believe that they can go on and win a World Cup. And being in America for the last 14 months, I see an incredible talent in this country, incredible talent uh, that I've that probably 10 years ago that I didn't see. I think there's a different type of player coming through. You see that with the sprinkling of players around Europe now. They've got a brilliant manager in Greg. I really do think, and I think not this this World Cup might be too soon, but in the 2026 World Cup with the with the youth young players that are coming through the system, I think America could challenge for a semi-final place in 2026, if not beyond. I really do. I think there's so much talent in this country. I love so shout out first and foremost to CBS Sports HQ. If you guys want to find that, um, I'm on there quite a bit. Heath is on there. Charlie does the Paramount Plus stuff. But if you go to Paramount Plus and find the live tab, it'll have a drop down that says CBS Sports HQ. You can find some oh, great, great stuff. Yeah, yeah, click, oh, click away from Paramount Plus and join the boys. You know, <laughs> That's you're, right. You're Come hang out friends. with us. Come hang out you're real us. friends on HQ. But, but incredible insight there from Phil Neville where, first of all, he went on to, first to say that England, he thinks England can win the World Cup. And as we've discussed before, you know, semifinals in the last World Cup, final of the Euros, I guess the natural evolution is for them to actually win it. Charlie, I'm going to come to you first. What do you think about uh, Phil's comments and, and his belief, now that he's had a taste of what American soccer is all about, of, of our potential? And, and I, in some ways, agree with him. That, that we, and we've said it before. We're planting the seeds of 2022 so we can have a tremendous run in 26. That was always the plan. You don't go from not qualifying for the World Cup and then completely revamping the player pool with with an average age of 23 years old and think you're going to win the World Cup. That, that that doesn't work. The whole plan was, let's get this youth, this talented youth that we have. We're going to kind of move aside from from the older generation, and and typically, you know, in national team, you have like five, six, seven players who have have played at least one World Cup. You know, that, that's not the case now. And so that was the direction Greg Berhalter and U.S. soccer wanted to go in. Great. That's the understanding. We get it. I think for 2026, if you've given all these these players, these studs who who have, you know, really started to, to show what they're capable of in Europe, which is really impressive and in Major League Soccer, that I think it's going to give us a lot of hope. The hope, though, um, ultimately, is that they do progress out of the group. In, in 2022, then we're, we can be talking about us winning the World Cup in 2026. The, the England team, yes, we everyone knows they can win the World Cup. If if you're 
competing for the Euros, then you're good enough to win the World Cup. That's how difficult the Euro tournament is. So uh, ultimately, you got to come and bring it every game and uh, luck plays into it. So it's not as easy um, as it is if you have all the talent on, on paper and on, on the pitch. It doesn't always work that way. We know that. So I think for, for us, all the, the U.S. players playing, you have nothing to lose. It, everything right. in the game, it's all in right, front of you. Right. And when we talk about teams sitting in. Who's going to sit in against the U.S. Level Cup? Everyone thinks they can beat the U.S. Oh, they're right. 23 years old. They, they're going to be coming, which plays right into our hands. Just be yeah, smart, agreed. be pragmatic. And then and then when, when you have the opportunity, finish, which we haven't done in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. But – I think this team we're is saving it. We're saving it for the World Cup, Charlie. Yeah, that's that's the, the silver line. So, so Heath, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting with Phil's answer, and I hadn't taken this into consideration until he said it, was the fact that he thought the players could be fresh, actually, for the first time in a World Cup because they're not on the back end of a 50, 60, 70 game season. What, what are your thoughts on that particular perspective? Because MLS players, the ones that make the roster or the ones that make rosters for other countries, will be coming off of a long, you know, arduous season. Well, mo most countries will be in in that situation, especially in Europe. Obviously, you go into the Americas and you have completely different league structures and timings from Brazil playing sort of the regional league to their their actual league play. Argentina similarly going through kind of constant changes. But <clears throat> for me, it's still you're going to have a condensed summer. You know it, it, that goes that goes in, into into that. So it's going to be shortened because you got to make up for time in the World Cup. So there's going to be a busy schedule. We've seen for the last couple of years, pandemic related, how much gets jammed into these schedules now uh, across the board. So I do think there's a it's, it's a better advantage than sort of the fatigue that goes into a summer before. To be honest with you, Jimmy, you know when you teed it up as like us not being very happy with what he said, I was viciously looking for stuff on the internet while he was talking waiting for him to shoot a sh like have some oh, shots it's fired coming. at us it's coming um it's, it's the jamie so, carragher and michael richards that's gonna oh don't worry well uh, we I've, I've, we've got we've got plenty to, to to say back to uh to to anybody that's gonna be criticized from the uh from the sidelines of 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 uh england's performances uh in in, in, in last generations but no overall i do i agree with charlie in the sense that 2026 is the long-term goal to do that you know, if you look at any sort of, and I don't think we're in a golden generation. I think the next generation is going to be far better than this group that we have. And I think we're going to see now. Well, I just think we're going to see a new standard and that standard will have a golden generation at some point. Mm -hmm. And, and so I don't think that, that, that we're there yet, but 2026 being, being the goal. And by the way, England didn't qualify in 94, uh, the last time that we hosted uh, a men's world cup, nice. but, nice. um, the, it is worth noting that, that this is part of a longer project. And I don't want to put too much pressure I think we should set lofty goals. And I think getting out of the group stage is a great, great point. But, you know, England, same thing. They get quarterfinals, two of the last four, round of 16, one of those ones out of the group stages of like the last five, one time, that sort of thing. So there is a building blocks. It just doesn't come overnight. And so, uh, you know, I agree that it's about 2026, but I don't want that to be this mm -hmm. crutch that allows us to get out of not putting together solid performances, not knowing how to navigate a group stage in a World Cup and and challenging ourselves against, a diverse group of opponents and in what I think is, is a group that we can realistically get out of and England being a team that we can realistically get quote unquote, a result against. Okay. Well, I guess I was kind of teasing some more clickbait. It wasn't really with the Phil Neville interview, <laughs> but it is with these statements that I saw, I was watching it post game champions league, Terry Henry, Kate Abdo, uh, Jamie Carragher, Micah Richards. And I was like, are these guys, these guys are taking the piss. Take a look at this. 25th of November, 2022, England.
versus the USA. Oh, my word. Predict the score. 2 0 England. 3 0 England. 1 1. One one. Yes, oh, Jerry. Trying to keep his Trying to get a new contract. Yeah, yeah. That's actually what I think. One one. No chance. Jerry. <laughs> so so Jamie Carragher says chance. no chance. But oh, uh, Heath, I'll come to you first uh, on this. That I know they were put on the spot and they had to throw it out there. Micah Richards very very confident in that. Jamie Carragher the three zero. The no chance at the end, pretty disrespectful. And I hope we can get him on the show at some point and we can use this clip against him because I think he's going to eat his words. But Thierry Henry, New York Red Bulls, he's played in MLS. He's coached in MLS. He knows the system. He knows the players. I think being very unemotional and kind of seeing it for what it is, 1-1, who do you think's right out of this conversation? Michael Richards, I mean, 2-0. It could be 2-0. Who knows? I think it'll be a tight game. I don't think it'll be a 2-0. Uh, could the U.S. lose 1-0? Sure. Do I think it could be a 1-1? I, I do believe that. I think we are drinking our own Kool-Aid often. If you think about... Well, so think are about they, your, apparently. Oh, for sure. But like they've also got some results <laughs> like, to show they're, that... They're, they're bathing. They're bathing in yeah, the Kool-Aid. But they always have. And they've been they've tremendously underperformed over the gem generations of national team. But this is a new national team. It's a new era in England uh, with, with a young squad that's gotten... That's cut their teeth in the Euros, that cut their teeth in, in the last World Cup. Both of them extremely successful runs. Uh, in the grand scheme of things. And so there's naturally a belief of same with what you would call the generation, of, golden generation of Belgium of like constantly being ranked one, two, three, four in the world. Like they should win. They should win. They haven't. Um, and so it's a challenge, but that's, I'm talking about winning the tournament, but against the U S if you think about it in the context of, of what they're looking at, they don't see the U S any different than they would see a Wales or a, or a Scotland in terms of, Hey, we've got some players playing at these clubs and you have these other players playing at these clubs and you have like tier one, a champions league. You've got some non-champions league, uh, tier one players. You've got some, you know, championship level players. And I think that's the way that they, they, they see us. We see it differently because we're, we're in the thick of it. So, you know, while, um, while but there was I something to said, Heath, though, where even though we might not have had those tiered players, when you talk with ex foreign players, ex foreign internationals, and we've all had that opportunity. They always admired our team spirit and our togetherness and and that kind of those intangibles that maybe they didn't have because they just maybe, I don't know, maybe they had too many big names that they they didn't want to share the ball. There was too much, you know, in in, in intra intra team politics or whatever you want to say. I don't know. Are we are we evolving into that? I mean, is that where we want to go? Obviously, we want our players playing at the highest competitions, but do you think we would lose some of that identity that we've been known for? Or do you feel like it's we need to evolve from that anyway? No, I mean, I, I, by the way, I think we're, we're going to evolve from that um, with time because talent is going to eventually win that over. I do think that there is still this missing piece because of just how big our country is, the styles of play and everything of like fitting into a system. Now, England, I think also suffers from that same style, but most other countries in Europe have a, a system or style that is culturally part of their identity. Uh, but, but I don't think we'll lose that. Cause I think we'll tap back into that. The thing mm -hmm. about CONCACAF world cup qualifying is that it does test you in a number of ways that you as a player think egotistically that going down to Honduras, there's no way, there's no way it can test me in, in a way that I haven't been tested. Right. I play at Juventus. Uh, and then you then you get punched in the face and you go, okay, this is different. You feel this momentum swing that you've never felt in your life before that's based on a number of factors you can't control. You learn from all that type of stuff. I think we will be very hard to play against with England. Do I think they'll control probably the flow of the play and have the better of, of possession and probably the better of chances? Sure. 
but I would have expected that down in, 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 in Mexico. And we could have gotten out of that way with the result. It's going to have to be a day where we're playing at eight, nines and tens right, across right, the right. board for our national team. But there's no reason that we can't get a result against England. And, and it wouldn't be a, you know, a, something you make a movie out of. It's a, it's about the team doing being talented and the team also executing a game plan that can beat England. Okay, Charlie, I want you to answer each person directly. So Micah says two zero. What do you say to Micah? I would say that that's the the obvious guess for 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 an English a former England <laughs> captain. Uh, obvious know, answer, Micah Richards. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. you really went on a limb there. And then and then Jamie Carragher. It's I mean he's the most arrogant of the bench. He yes. says three zero. Says no chance. What do you say to him? Well, arrogance is is definitely what comes to mind because two nil. You could say. Yeah, you're, you're right. No one's going to disagree with you. Even, you know, it's a World Cup. It's, it's, the games are a lot harder. And they should have learned in 2010. Because if you look at those comparisons then, which were, I think, even more drastic, they looked at, okay, who are the starters for the U.S. men's national team? Okay, Josie Altador. They'd say a flop in the prem that mm -hmm. couldn't handle it. So all, already you have that. Then Clint Dempsey, they said, oh, yeah, you know, playing at Fulham, like not Chelsea, not not Liverpool. And, right. you're, and you're looking at some of the players that they had at the time, Frank Lampard, Wayne Rooney, mm -hmm. John Terry, Steven Gerrard, Ashley Cole. These are all legends in the Prem. Stu Holden, again, Bolton, eh, J.D. Merrick, Wofford. Eh. For them, they look at it on paper, mm -hmm. English players and supporters, and they say, these guys couldn't even – couldn't even make play for for Everton or you know a, a mid table team. So how, how games not played on paper, baby? That's right, exactly. But so, that so, is so. The, that's the thought when they're trying to compare. But going into the match, they say, "Where does that person play, and how many minutes is he getting?" And the easy one for England right now is Christian Pulisic. He couldn't. They didn't even. Yeah, he scored, and then and then against Manchester United, he's coming off the bench, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So. We're talking about Christian Pulisic should be playing, should he's scoring big goals, and he's he's coming off the bench still. So I think that answers the question when we say, should Christian stay at Chelsea and keep fighting and fighting? No, he needs to go somewhere where he's going to play every game and get the, the, the respect he deserves and, and still be pushed with competition. But it, it to me, it seems they don't rely on him. Okay, so what what do you say to Thierry Henry? I'd give him a nice firm handshake, saying thank you very much for your your one one prediction. I think what, that. What do you say to Thierry then? I'd say the U.S. If they get a one one result against England, they played a phenomenal game, a fantastic game. He clearly has he clearly has some belief in our squad though, which is well, cool. He should. He should. If if everyone's playing at their best, especially in midfield. It, it go it, it'll I think it'll go really well and and obviously the goalkeeper position has to get sorted. Yeah, you gotta out. make some saves. So Zach Stavon, some he's got to go on loan somewhere. I think Matt Turner's staying regardless at Arsenal, so he's going to be in that the same position that Zach's in right now. So I think for Zach, it's getting to the right club, whether it's staying in the Prem or going to the Bundesliga where he had success there and playing ninety minutes every game because Greg's already said that's my one because he can play the best with his feet. So in that case. 1-1 one, one is a great result for the U.S. And I think Thierry's thinking, hey, this U.S. is going to be a little bit more defensive and reserved, and this could play right into their hands. Okay. Jimmy, what's your what's your take? What's your take on the three? You know, because the one one sounds no, it's, 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 it's got nothing to do with the players you put on the field. It's got nothing to do with the style of play. Getting a one one 
you can play as I mean we we, we saw it when uh, when uh, Atletico Madrid played and 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 they were like this is the first time I've ever seen a five five formation and not that the U S would do that but there's ways in which you can you can play to a one one that again you go back to the England 2010 well yeah you can no have one Rob remembers Green who played a, how and, the exactly yeah. I mean that's a that's a, 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 a extraordinary circumstances but nobody remembers how you get the one one right the U S is going to come out looking to get a result in some way and disrupt the game. They're not going to go out and be like, you know, well, how do we, how do we beat England and dominate the game? That's not going to be no. the approach. No. no, no, no. It shouldn't be the approach. I, I, I do at times, and I, I'm going to give you a story and then I'm going to give you a big question that I want not only you two to answer, but people watching on YouTube or listening, hit us up at ISWT pod on Twitter. If you're listening to this in podcast mm -hmm. form. So, and this is going to kind of answer my question because it ties into how I'd like to see us play. Micah Richards, whatever. He played it safe 2-0. I wish he'd given us a goal. 2-1, I'd be like, all right. But 3-0, the, the 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 arrogance from another JC that played center back with his heart on his sleeve. That's me. That's Jamie Carragher. I mean, I just – I didn't – By didn't the way, really a 2-0 is, is, is like basically calling it a draw. That's a fearful 2-0 to call it 2-0. This is it's a like, team – It's like they score one and then maybe they could have won the Euros, could have won the World Cup, and you're just talking about a 2-0 against this young U.S. side that has nothing? Like, come on. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to decide if Henri was being a contrarian or if he really truly believed. I think he does. I think there's an element <laughs> of belief in in, uh, in in what we're capable of. And I know that he knows the player pool better than those other two guys. So so I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Thierry. And I know my bias is showing I'm drinking our Kool-Aid. But what do you want? We have a podcast called In Soccer We Trust. Of course, we're going to side with our guys. Now, my story time was back in 2013 was the 100-year 100 100-year anniversary of U.S. soccer. And they had a big celebration in New York and and Jurgen Klinsmann was going to do a roundtable with then-president Sunil Gulati in, in the MLS offices. And Grant Wall was there and all the top journalists around and blah, blah, blah. And I'm in there. And I've got – I'm looking like an idiot because I'm doing some stuff for Kick TV. And and I had one question. And I and – Charlie, Sunil, you, well, hold on, Jimmy. Before you get to the question, Charlie, do you remember how Jimmy back in 2013, you know, would wear like the wigs and like – Go full costume with like I his loved tuxedo it. and I like it. Yeah. It was, yeah. it, it, there was a it, it was a it was an era. Yeah. It was an era and a, definitely an element of fun. So ultimately, what I did was I shot like my stuff in studio and threw it over to my correspondent, and the correspondent was me. So I threw it to myself, and I was all dressed up and in all American gear, and I wore that into this press conference or whatever this roundtable with Jurgen and Sunil. And I waited. They they waited to pick on me. And I know that Michael Cameron and Neil Beathy, that U.S. Soccer, were super reluctant to call on me. But they call on me, and I say, "Hey, Jurgen, I got one question for you." And this is ahead of we've already qualified for the World Cup. So this is ahead of Brazil in 2014. It's a would you rather? Would you rather play really, really well in Brazil in the Group of Death, and and really, I mean, well enough where everybody's like, "Oh shit." U.S. has figured it out. They're starting to play like they're 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 evolving. They're they're starting to play a style that we should be scared of. And in future iterations of the World Cup, they're going to be a threat. But we don't qualify for the knockout rounds. Or would you rather play poorly but then get through and get to the round of sixteen? And and it just and I said play to our stereotypes where we sit back and absorb and try to score on set pieces. And I was like, I, you know, he, he had talked about all this vertical integration and all whatever the jargon he was using at the time. I assumed he would have gone with the first one, like playing really well, but not getting through being a little unlucky as opposed to the opposite of all that. And honestly, he's Sunil Galati sitting right next to him. And Sunil Galati is frothing at the mouth to answer <laughs> for him. I mean, he is like he, he physically has like a physical reaction to my, my question. 
and he was a total jerk to me in the elevator on the way back down. He was hot. But but and I'll save that story for another time. But you're gonna pick the second one that he'd rather get through. And and that's exactly and that, not to say it exactly went that way, but we did absorb. We did we did almost play a lot to our stereotypes, but we did enough and made some key plays to get us into the next round. And then we gave up more shots in a World Cup game in history against Belgium than any other team. So so I I kind of feel the same way when I when I'm setting this up to play against England or any of the teams we play. There's a part of me, maybe this is super naive and 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 idealistic, but I would love for us to just play on the front foot and, and not just go out and play against England and just sit back and absorb the whole time. Now, I think there's an element of that game where we are going to have to suffer for sure, but I don't want it to be for 40 out of the 45 minutes of each half. I don't think it's going to be that way. Okay, good. Go ahead, Charlie. Not, Take not it away. Me. I mean, I mean, what do you want to do? You think it's mostly played in the mid in, in the middle third of the field? Like, do you think it's in yes, the end, Charlie? Do you think it's mostly this whole like kind of unsettled game where we're kind of it's a little cagey or i see us really frustrating them and and, and that's due to weston and tyler and and whether it's geo Reyna or musa um being in the midfield and and just whether it's the transition game and and keeping it around the middle third i just don't see our young players just sitting back that's just not in their dna now i, I do think they won't run or make kind of those aimless runs where they're just running forward and, and being super aggressive. I don't see that happening. I don't see Serginho Dest just bombing forward every time. But I do see us winning the ball and going and trying to play. If, if you okay. watch the, the, just the Azteca game is, is one of the ones that comes to mind is you expected us to backs against the wall. We trying to qualify, just defend. And that we took the game to them. We were the better team. We, we outpossessed the Mexicans. We were, for us, for me, I think for all of us, we watched, we said, whoa, that was impressive because that was not the performance we all thought we were going to get. So I think that's kind of the outlook for me coming into the World Cup is this is going to be the same thing against England. Okay, so Charlie, and, and I will say very quickly that I like that England's our second game because we'll have mm-hmm. kind of a 90 minutes to to kind of get out any nerves or or whatever. And obviously we'll have a result to work against. Hopefully it's a positive one. So we maybe takes a little pressure mm-hmm. off that second one. But but Charlie, for you, wh- what would you rather see in this group? Play really, really well and not get through or kind of play like shit and do just enough to get to the round of 16? Get through. Uh, at the end of the day, get through. But Teams because they had play. to figure it out, right? They got to yeah. be tough, mentally tough. Okay. Yeah, because you still you still have to work. Th- things still have to go your way, and you're still going to learn a lot. You can you can always adjust your play. How many times have we played against teams where they're all focused on keeping the ball, and you win the game? You're not thinking, oh, we played ugly. We had to fight, and we it's we got through. Who gives a hell? Who gives who gives anything about lo- playing well but losing? You always want to win. And you always sure, want to sure. progress. progress. No, so, no, no, that's fair. I get it. I, I think, I, and yeah, I respect it. I respect yeah. it. I mean, if, it, in 2006, we didn't, we didn't get through the group. We didn't necessarily no. play aesthetically pleasing either. But but uh, it would have been pretty cool because we would have played Brazil in the next round, which would have been a big thrill for all of us players. Now, Heath, what, what about you? What, what would you rather – are you with Jurgen Klinsmann and Charlie here that you'd rather just grind it out and get through? Or do you feel like there's some value into us actually laying some groundwork that we are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the future? I think that groundwork's being laid by the talent that we're developing. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily the national team's responsibility to just implement it. That was always my issue with Jurgen in, in the early days, which was like, you can't just culturally come in and just change things, right? Now, I actually agree with a lot of the work that Jurgen did on a developmental level that no one ever got to see, which was 
forcing the hand of development in a lot of ways that we're going to see the benefits of longer term. But that's again, like go back to the, 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 uh, Germany failures. It was a decade of development that had regional training centers and all these things that we, you then see the fruition of way later on. So I think getting through is the thing that you can do and you're going to see that incremental growth, or maybe you're not even going to see the incremental changes between Jimmy 2006 and, and, you know, 2022 and, and, and Qatar. But I think if it, I think you will see that just basically in, in, in the quality and the talent and the maturity of the players and the fact that we're putting out a really young team that's competing in a world cup that's going to do hopefully incrementally better than we've seen before. And so I do think going through, getting through the group is the, the, the most important thing or getting out of the group as opposed to implementing a style of play. The hard part that I always go back to with that is it's a really hard in CONCACAF to do that, right? It's really hard in CONCACAF qualifying to implement that style of play from the start and say, well, let's take it to him. Let's go down to Honduras and take it to him. No, we saw that for a half after we were down one nil in Honduras. But when you, again, we go back to games aren't won on paper. On paper, we should, no disrespect to CONCACAF opponents, but we should probably batter most of our Central American opponents at the moment. But we don't. We fight, we scrap, we lose, we win, we draw. It's hard. And so it's hard to now go to a World Cup with a different type of opponent and then just say, let's uh, let's do it a little bit differently. Of so course, course. I think it's just about get getting out. And I don't know <laughs> if we'll ever get to a point in World Cup qualifying where it's where it's not it's, it's any different than what we experience now no matter how good our players are just because there's a lot of uncontrollables in terms of the style of play and you know things that we discuss all the time so yeah get out of the group stages i think that builds the confidence uh for the future and less so you know again you look back on the results you won't look back on the way in which we got results no and i think that's right especially if we can get another world cup game of experience and and as a group these core players are going to be what 27 28 in 2026 so for them to know how to manage how to get out of a group i think is super important as well we talk about in-game management but we also have to talk about in-group management how do you have the wherewithal to survive a group to make sure that you can book your ticket because once you get to the knockout rounds anything can happen all right everybody that is the end of in soccer we trust another fantastic episode we appreciate everybody being a part of this community let's maintain all of the growth that we're having. Make sure you hit like and subscribe. We really appreciate your support. So on behalf of producer Alex and Charlie Davis and Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening to In Soccer We Trust. And we'll see you again next Monday with another scintillating episode. And we're going to have another special guest next week as well. It should be a lot of fun. Scintillating. See you later. Scintillating.